Hello and thank you for listening to Back in America. I want to take a minute to remind you that on this podcast website at backinamericathepodcast.com, you will find transcripts for each episode. You will also have links to our social media profiles. Do sign up for our newsletter. It's a great way to be alerted about all the good stuff going on at Back in America. Now, on to this episode. In July, according to the Census Bureau, nearly 25 million people reported that they have little to no confidence that they would be able to parent in the next month. And almost 30 million people said they didn't have enough to eat. Without federal intervention, housing experts and advocates warn of an unprecedented wave of eviction in the coming month, and one far more devastating than the 2008 crisis. Today, I'm releasing a series of two episodes on housing assistance. In this episode, I speak with Louise Kekula, a woman who grew up in Liberia, Africa, moved by herself in the US as a child, had a baby, graduated from Rutgers, and now works as a counselor for families at risk of losing their children. The fact that Louise is very bright and highly driven probably explains how she managed to do so well. Yet, she said that the housing initiative of Princeton has changed her life and allowed her to bounce back and secure a better career. You will hear Louise mention Carol. In part two, I then speak with Carol Golden, the chair of housing initiatives of Princeton and also a member of the Affordable Housing Board of Princeton. Here is episode one, Louise Kekula. If you're tired of arguing with strangers on the internet, try talking with one of them in real life. Welcome to Back in America, the podcast. Thank you so much for accepting to share your story with me and with Back in America. Yes, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. When I joined HIP, I graduated um, from undergrad and then I had a baby. Right now, I work for um, Ascendant Integrated Health. I'm a counselor. I wonder if you can take me back to a very, very old story for you. Uh, before you moved to the U.S., I know you moved when you were seven. Do you have any memories of your country, of Liberia? Very little. I have very little um, memories of my country. Um. I do recall that there was a war going on back there. And so in order to um, escape the war, my family stayed, like my, my mom stayed, my entire family stayed um, except for me. So we had, um, my mom had brought me over with one of her friends um, through a refugee program. Back then, um, I don't know if you heard of DACA, yeah. Back then, it was really easy <laughs> to come into the United States, unlike now. Um, my memory of back home is very fond, honestly. 
Yeah, what, what, tell me more. So I left my family. We went to, where did we go? I think we went to um, Ivory Coast because we were there for quite some time. Um, And I was what, when I left my mom, I want to say I was about five or six um, because we came to this country February. I remember it was February 14th. I'll never forget it because it's always Valentine's Day. February fourteenth, two thousand one. So I think I've been here for what like about nineteen years. So when we went to Ivory Coast, I was I was probably there for a few months, and then we came on a plane. And when I landed here, it was actually my first time seeing snow. Mm. It's like I, it doesn't snow, you know, it doesn't snow back home. So the cult, it was a, a culture shock for me, um, honestly. It didn't take me a while to adapt because, like, I, I know, like, once I started school, like, once I, because I, um, I actually used to live in Ewing. So when we first, when we first got here, no, when we first got here, we were in Hamilton because I, I attended Greenwood Elementary School. And um, there I got a lot of help with, like, because, you know, my English wasn't really well. So I got like a lot of ESL help and things like that, but I was always bright, um, for lack of better words. So I've always had like this mindset of just like striving and not giving up. So not being able to, like, I had difficulties understanding, um, the teachers, they try to send me, they try to, um, put me back a grade. Um, but that, that didn't happen because I was able to just like adapt. Mm -hmm. So like I would go home and take the extra time to just like study. And then I remember just being envious of other kids in the classroom and things like that. So it didn't take me a while to adapt at all um, to the American culture. (laughs) And so your mom moved back to Liberia or did she stay with you? She's no, my mom stayed. My mom has always, she's, um, she's back in Liberia. So what happened? Because you moved here, were you on your own or? I was actually with a friend of my mom, a very good friend of hers. Was it tough for you to be alone at seven? Yeah. Um, but back then, it wasn't as tough back then as it is now, to be honest. Now it's really tough. But back then, I always had that like moral support um I, I had support um as a kid mm-hmm. I, I i can genuinely say that i did so it wasn't like and my mom did really well in terms of communication so imagine from seven up until now like she she kept she kept in contact with me and she still does so that helped a lot too yeah so you just said now it's tough. Tell me yeah. <laughs> why is it tough? Um, I would say you know with a baby and lack of support, definitely needing my mom. Um, I see. A lot more now. Yeah. So that brings us to to that situation, right? Um, the the baby. But maybe before we get there. I wonder if you can take me back to high school and then moving on to college. Um, that was a good time for you, right? You did very well. 
Yeah, high school. So I first I started at Ewing High School. I finished ninth grade there, but then I had to leave to go to um, New Brunswick. And then I graduated from Trenton High School. And I actually graduated um, number four in my class. Wow. So I was top five. And then you went to college? Yeah, then I went to Rutgers. Um, I did a um, double major. So I graduated with um, criminal justice and psychology. And right now, I'm actually um, getting my master's at Karen University for um, counseling. So I want to be a therapist. Senior year was when um, I found out that I was going to be a mom. It was spring semester. I, I think I found out in February because um, there's like a clinic there. So that's when I, <laughs> that was when I guess my entire world just shifted um, for the better, honestly. Yeah, I was not expecting that <laughs> because uh, that brought a lot of worries uh, also. Yeah, it was. Um, initially, it was. But then, again, my mom, you know, my mom was the first person I actually told about the baby. And she actually encouraged me to have the baby. Um, she's very religious. Like, she's very religious. So having an abortion was just something. It was just not an option for her. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, and I, and I always remember my mom's words. You know, she she practically told me, she said, this baby is going to be the best thing that has ever happened to you. And like, I don't I can't read the future and neither can she. So it's kind of like I was getting myself set up for something like the unexpected. But I just like I maintain my faith. I would say that I genuinely like I got a lot closer to the Lord And even though I had no idea, because I was 23, you know, I had no idea about any, you know, about a baby or anything like that. But, you know, I was willing to go ahead and take that risk, <laughs> I guess. Oh, I can hear the baby. That's the baby. Go ahead. That is him. <laughs> How come I'm on the phone? I'll be back. Okay, thank you. <sighs> Sorry that, about that. That's all right. That's quite all right. I myself might be interrupted anytime. So, you know, <laughs> we know what it's like. So, uh, you were about to graduate uh, and that yeah. baby arrived. What did you do? You had to find housing. You had to... Yeah, I did. So, originally, um, I was at my cousin's house, but... Um, The environment just wasn't for me. So I ended up um, staying with a friend um, who I was renting like a room there. But then it was kind of like, so I was there. There wasn't any baby at the time. So I'm staying at my friend's house and just working. Because at that time I was actually working at Quick Check. So I'm just working and just trying to secure fundings, a lot of fundings, you know, in preparation for a baby. I had the baby and I just, 
I remember just feeling so empty. I don't want to say it was like postpartum depression or any of that stuff, but I just like, I genuinely was not happy with my living conditions. I just wasn't happy. I, I just, it was kind of like from day one, I, I knew that I needed to provide a decent living for my son. So, and my mindset was always, you know, I got to give him a better life than I had. In the midst of, you know, still working, still being a mom and things like that, I started reaching out to people for help. So this is where HIP comes in because I was just pretty much applying for like a lot of programs. But one thing, I'm big on education, you know, um, big on school and things like that. So for me, it was kind of like, you know, Princeton was it. For me, it was kind of like, I need to go to a place where the school district is good for my son. And I came across HIP. I had no idea what it was, but it was just like, I was just filling out <laughs> a bunch of applications. And then when things got really, really bad, I started like practically harassing this Carol. <laughs> and <laughs> and it's, like, it's, sorry, how bad was it? And why was it bad? It was just like, it was like a lot of turmoil with where I was living. Cause now we're talking a baby's there. Um, there was no heat. So she, she stopped turning on the heat. So now it's kind of like, I'm in a room, a little room, a little space with a baby and no heat. So the, it's just- The landlord turn off the- Yeah. She didn't want the baby there or what? I would, I, I guess so, because, you know, a newborn baby, there's like a lot of demands, you know, with like the noise level um, and things like that. So I guess it's, I don't know, but I, I do, I, I do believe that was one of the reasons um, and just like, but my, my thing was I could have left, but I wouldn't have been able to afford it. Um, my income was just not. How much were you making? Like about nine sixty. An hour. I was not making much at all. About two hundred, two hundred a week. Wow. Yes. For, for you and Malcolm. <laughs> for Malcolm, yes, for me and Malcolm. So it was just like I couldn't take it. Um, I did like Princeton Community Housing. I did like a lot of housing applications. Um, and then. I kept hearing the same thing, you know, takes time. There's a wait list and things like that. So when I called, um, when I sent my application in to HIP, I got a call. I think I got a call from like Miss Carol. And I think she was just telling me that the place was like filled up or something like that. And just be something like that. It was kind of like the call that I got. She gave me hope. So then I just started, I know I started reaching out to her like a lot more and just like out of desperation. Um, and I don't know, something, something must have clicked because next thing you know, I went for an interview because they do like their, you know, initial interview and things like that. Two weeks later, she, um, she called me and said, congratulations. And I literally moved into the apartment. Um, I want to say March 1st of like 2017. Okay. Yeah. So from September to March, that's not really very long when it comes to like this housing thing, you mm -hmm. know, because no, people wait good. years. Yeah. 
being in a new housing like that? You know, what difference did it make to you? Oh, what? It made <laughs> a significant... It was, oh, my gosh. It's... I... I mean, I was already responsible, but it just... It was just so surreal to me. And... Like, I knew that this was an opportunity of a lifetime. So for me, it was just, you know, feeling secure, you know, not feeling like I have to walk on tippy toes in somebody else's home. I was able to get a lot of support from them. So I had a counselor. I remember Miss Glenda. um, And then I had, like, she was my liaison at the time career development. So I think when I got into HIP, that's when literally things just started moving forward for me um, in a positive direction. Um, because then it was kind of like I, I went on from quick check to a decent job, beneficial enough to get my feet wet a little bit, give me that experience that I needed. Um, and then once I got that job, I, I secured it for at least a year. Which was what? It was at a halfway house. Yeah, I was a program counselor there. And then I went back to the career coach and she pretty much just helped me with my resume, resume building skills. Like I've been able to network a lot with like different people, which has been really beneficial to me. Once she helped me you know, improve my resume and, and um, interview skills and things like that, I secured an even better job with what I do now. So tell, tell us about what you do now. I work for um, Family Preservation Services um, in Mercer County. I do um, intensive in-home counseling for families at risk of losing their children. So um, interventions that I do is just helping them become more stabilized in a home. Um, so that they're able to keep their children and not have them removed um, mm -hmm. by DCPMP. Wow. Yeah. Do, do you think that your own personal history helped you better understand those people? Definitely. Yeah. And that's in why which way? Able... So there's a fine line that you have to draw in terms of boundaries, but and I never go and tell them my story, but when I hear their story, I can easily relate to them, which makes it easier for them to relate to me. Um, and, you know, it's crazy because I just had a conversation with one of my supervisors. She pretty much told me, she said, you're really good at what you do. And that really meant a lot to me because this is something that I'm passionate about. Like for me, it's kind of like someone paved the way for me. So paving the way for others is just... Um, my goal right now, mm. um, which is why I got into the whole social social work field. And even now, like I'm still, even though technically I graduated <laughs> from HIP, they have been of like so much help to me that I still maintain like communications with them. Um, and even now, like I have, like Miss Rebecca just reached out to me with an opportunity of a lifetime. Like I... <laughs> I'm filled with so much joy just talking to you about this right now because she called me and she was like, you know, congratulations because I got into like this, um, this program. It's called the Women Unlimited um, Organization for Mentoring, Education and Networking. So even like stuff like that, that 
I'm still getting ice. Like the blessings is just, it keeps coming. My mom's words were true because Malcolm, I feel like he came with so much blessing. I know that they're preparing me to be able to provide a living for my son, which is something that I've always dreamed of. You come from Liberia. You come from Africa. How do you experience this country being black, but you're not a black American, you're a black from Africa in this country? I mean, you are sort of in between culture, right? Mm-hmm. Big time. Um, that's a good question. I try not to allow the outside world the outside world, for, for lack of better words, um, intervene with um, the goals that I've set for myself. Okay. Does that make sense? Sort of. So you, you, you try to hide out all those racial tensions. Yes. Because basically. you want to focus on, on your goal, which is yeah. to build a career and, yeah, and to build a good life for uh, Malcolm. Yeah. Like I've, like I've, dealt with and you know it, it, I think it's interesting that you say this because mo <laughs> moving to prison has not always been easy I've had my shares of um, racism for lack of better words but it's the mindset that I've had and I and I actually talked um, to Miss Glenda about it is that I've worked so hard to get to where I'm at right now I'm not going to allow anyone to try to dictate um, my outcome. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to let people try to push me out of my dreams, you know? So for me, it's just tunnel vision <laughs> pretty much. But I, I, I do, I do address it um, when I see fit. So, you know, I, there was an incident with my 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 um son's school. It ended up working out in the sense that you know the same support system that I have with HIP, they were able to reach out to a professional who was then able to assist me with the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, and it and it worked out. <laughs> what, what is America to you? America is giving me the head start it's pushing me to a place where I can just pretty much build up my character to take something back home um, for other children. You know, I feel like, and I, I feel like I'm here for a purpose. Like I know it sounds like a cliche, but I, I genuinely, cause I, I just find it unbelievable how things have just been working out um, for me and, and, you know, for Malcolm and I, that I, I feel like that I feel like I there's a purpose um, for all of this. So it's just soaking everything in, you know, I'm, right now I'm kind of like a sponge, you know, I'm, I'm getting all the education that I need because a part of being like a therapist or striving to be a therapist is I feel like mental health is really important. So it's just going back home and, and things like, you know, abuse and things like that. And taking that back with me and trying to just stabilize other children. So and, I guess. Mm -hmm. Sorry. And when you say going back home, you mean home in Liberia? Yeah. 
Is that what you want to do ultimately? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I I, I definitely want to and I've been planning because bear in mind since since I came here in 2001, I have not seen my family. So what I'm going to do is, you know, I I want for Malcolm to get to an age where, you know, his memories serves him right because when I when I go back home, I you know, obviously he has to meet his grandma and his uncle and his aunt. So I I want him to get to an age where, you know, he, it'll be good good enough for him to go and experience my side, my culture. Um and hopefully he can take something from that. So I'm definitely planning within the next year or two to go back because I need to meet my mom. Like you know, well, I'm I haven't sure. seen my mom in forever. I'm sure you do. But <laughs> where do you plan to uh, settle in the U.S. or over there? So I want to do. I want to travel back and forth. And people say I'm crazy for this, but it's kind of like I can't just abandon America because America gave me that um stabilization i guess and so but i can't you know i can never forget where i've come from so it's kind of like maybe i can build a home back back home where i can just travel back and forth go on vacations and stuff and just experience my roots too yeah well i don't blame <laughs> you for that do you have any and that will be my last question do you have any advice for people going through a tough time yes um stay true to yourself just know that the storm does not last forever there's always there's always light at the end of the tunnel looking back at at your own experience would you do anything differently no <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> thank you That's thank clear. you you too thank you so much i'm so excited <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this first episode on housing assistance. Now make sure you listen to episode two with Carol Golden.